0: Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father, we just want to thank you for your word. Thank you because the entrance of your word, Father, brings light. It illuminates, brings information that sets us free, positions us, O God, to live the kind of life that you have designed for us to live. It breaks yokes, it lifts burdens, Heavenly Father. It does more than that, O God, healing wounds, O God, in our hearts and bringing healing to our physical bodies. Father, we just thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Praise God. As part of our journey, uh, I I chose a a topic uh, that runs through the entire story uh, of the journey of the children of Israel to talk about today. It's a topic, of course, that is pertinent in our lives as Christians, foundational, a bedrock, I think I, I, I called it, of our faith, but it's also pertinent at this point in time because By this evening, we would have come to the end of 21 for 21. And that was an amazing 21 days of prayer and fasting uh, where we have prayed at 6 a.m., at 12 noon, uh, Monday to Thursday at 9 p.m., Friday at 11 p.m. And yesterday, we did a 12-hour stretch. Some people would have done the 12 hours. Some would have come in for an hour, two, three, four, five hours, as the case may be. Uh, and, And so it's pertinent, that issue of prayer is up front there. And I just wanted to encourage you because you see, if you've done what you've done, 21 days should have started to make it a habit. And you must press on in that place of prayer. You simply must do that. And I wanted to just bring some encouragement to you. And the encouragement I wanted to bring to you is that God answers prayers. It's God's default mode to answer prayer. As you look at the journey of the children of Israel, you find the centrality of prayer in their lives as they went on that journey. As stubborn and as recalcitrant as they were, they still had prayer as a central theme throughout that journey. And of course, some like Moses, uh, were put before us as intercessors who prayed effectual fervent prayers that brought results and moved God's hands and caused God to intervene in the circumstances. Whether it's Moses himself praying for Israel's forgiveness in Exodus the 32nd chapter or praying for God's presence to go with the nation of Israel as they embarked on that journey in Exodus the 33rd chapter. Or where he prays for his sister Miriam to be healed in Numbers 13. Or, or you watch him praying for the, ch- the new leader of Israel in Numbers 27 after God had told him that he wasn't leading them into the promised land. You find that for Moses, prayer was a constant. It was the mainstay of, 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 of his life in much the same way that when we look at the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we come away with the same conclusion that prayer was really the driving force, the catalyst for all that he did. Is it any wonder that the disciples having observed his life and seen the correlation between prayer and the success of his ministry and the impact that his ministry had and and the 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 effectiveness of his life the and uh, how his life was so fruitful the disciples said to him lord teach us to pray they were not asking because it was a nice phrase to say or a nice question to ask they were asking because they could see that there was a connection between this 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 this, this man uh, uh jesus the uh, lord and savior there was a connection between him and how effective his ministry and his life was, and his prayer life. And so I just wanted to encourage us uh, about prayer. I really want to encourage you, prayer works. Prayer, God has set up himself to be a God who answers prayer. This grace that we have to commune with God, to have intimate conversations with him, to speak to him and to hear him speaking to us. That privilege that we have, you and I, with this awesome God, the creator of the ends of the earth, this all-powerful God, grants you and I that privilege as children of his to come to him and commune with him, to, to enter deep and intimate conversations with him. But not just to speak to him, but to hear him speaking to us. And you know, there are many things that we can say prayer does, but if I boil it down to two things, it would be these two things. Number one, it is the crucible in which our relationship with God is molded. Like any relationship, uh, it thrives on communication, thrives on communion. Like any relationship, husband, wife, uh, friends, uh, siblings, Uh, it's, it's the depth of the communion, the depth of the, depth of the communication, the, the, how constant it is, how real and authentic it is. That's what gives the relationship strength. It's the same with God. Our relationship with him is molded in that place of prayer. And so a praying saint, a praying Christian, if you and I are praying, constantly as a way of life, talking to God about life's affairs, life's issues, challenges, thanking Him in prayer, the prayer of thanksgiving, bringing petitions to Him, uh, if sometimes pouring out ourselves, in a sense, almost venting in the place of prayer, but that communication where we are speaking to Him and then we are learning to listen to Him We are cultivating that grace of listening to him. And as we grow stronger in that, our relationship is going stronger in God. Anyone who has been on these 21 days with with us will tell you that their relationship with God has changed. It isn't possible to have been in prayer the way we have been for our relationship not to have got deeper because we've been talking to him uh, we've been hopefully hearing from Him. We've been listening to the words shared as we pray. Our relationship has changed. So number one, it's the crucible in which our relationship with God is molded. Put it this way, prayer is directly related to the depth of your relationship with God. Number two, It is the medium by which we invite heaven's intervention into earthly matters, matters here on earth. I love the scriptures in Psalms 115, verse 16. And the Passion Translation says, The heavens belong to our God. They are His alone. But He has given us the earth and put us in charge. Now that's exactly what God did at the beginning. The whole of uh, where God decides to make man in his image, makes man in his image, Genesis, the first chapter, and then goes on after making him in his image uh, to grant him dominion, put him in charge of his creation. Now, that, between, what God puts before us there in Genesis, the first chapter, verses 26 to 28, is exactly what the psalmist is saying. God creates man and puts him in charge here on earth. Now, of course, we instantly understand that if we are in charge, because God has created this order, God does not intervene except we call him in. We invite him in. And that's what a part of prayer is, inviting God in to come and and do what he wants to do here on earth. So that's why you and I ha- are encouraged to be intercessors. We stand in the gap and we appeal to God. That's what God, that's, all through the Bible, that's what God makes clear. That he's looking for such people who will invite him in so that he can bring to pass his plans and his purposes here on earth. That's the second thing that, that prayer does. And you know, when, when, when Jesus teaches us about prayer, uh, in that pattern of prayer we call the Lord's Prayer, he drives home this point. Uh, sitting there very firmly in that, in that, in that, in that uh, pattern of prayer, Matthew 6 verse 10, the Bible says, Your kingdom come, this is our prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are inviting his kingdom in. That's what you and I do. We invite his kingdom into our lives. We invite his kingdom into our families. We invite his kingdom into our church. Invite his kingdom into our nation. We are saying, God, let your will be done in our lives. That's what we do in prayer. We are invoking His, his will into our lives, into our families, into our communities, and into our nation. And it's important to understand this as we press into prayer. You know, one of my favorite uh, authors on prayer is E.M. Bounds, as some of you know. And he says this about prayer. He says, prayer is divinely ordained as the means by which all temporal and spiritual good are directed to us. It's divinely ordained. That's how God has ordained it as the means by which all temporal and spiritual good are directed to us. Prayer is not an end in itself. It is not something done to be rested in or not something done about which we are to congratulate ourselves. It is a means to an end. It is something we do that brings us something in return without which the praying is valueless. Prayer always aims at securing an answer. It's not an exercise in futility. We haven't prayed for 21 days just to mark a register or just to fulfill a religious obligation. What a tragedy if that was the case. We have stood in the gap for 21 days, bringing those prayer points before God, We are expectant that God will answer. We are hopeful. We are looking forward to the answer. Prayer is not an end in itself, E.M. EM Bounds says. It is a means to an end. It is something, he says, we do that brings us something in return. If not, he says, the prayer is valueless. Prayer always aims at securing an answer. So we have prayed for 21 days. You have been there for the 21 days. It is not possible for the God that we serve, our Father in heaven, not to answer our prayers because we have prayed in accordance with his will. It is his delight to answer our prayers. What does he say? The wise king in Proverbs 15 verse 18 He says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The Passion Translation puts it this way. It is despicable to the Lord when people use the worship of the Almighty as a cloak for their sin, but every prayer of his godly lovers is pleasing to his heart. You've been praying for 21 days every prayer was pleasing to his heart. It was his delight. Before you got there at 6 a.m., guess what? He was there waiting for you because he was delighted that his children were bringing prayer to him, we were coming to commune with him in prayer, talk to him, where he, that spiritual transaction of prayer is one that excites God. The Bible says it's his delight. He was there at 12. He was there in between when you were praying to him, in between the times where we prayed corporately. The clear message from God is that I want to answer your prayers. It's a clear message. I want to encourage you. God wants to answer our prayers. Jeremiah 29, this is a scripture that God has given us as a church for this year from verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Verse 11, but verse 12 and 13 go on to say this. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. If you have received that word, then go on and do what the Bible says. Since you have received the word concerning God's thoughts and God's plans for you, then go on and call upon him and go and pray to him, he gives you an ironclad in promise. He can't break his word. He says, if you call upon me and go and pray to me, God says to you, I will listen to you. He goes on to say in verse 13, and, he, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me With all your heart, what is God asking for? He's asking for us to move out of the mundane and move out of the lackadaisical, move out of the of the of the lukewarm. He's asking for passion. Seek me with all your heart. Call unto me. Pray to me. I assure you, I will listen. Isn't that what he goes on to confirm in Jeremiah thirty-three verse three? Call to me, he says. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to call to him. That's what he says. That's my responsibility and your responsibility. To call to him. To come to him in prayer. Let's leave him to do what he says he will do. Let's try him and see if he doesn't do what he says he would do. He says, call unto me. He says, I, Jehovah. The God who doesn't lie says, I will answer and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Isn't that what the psalmist drives home in so many uh, of the psalms that he writes for us? And the psalms is a wonderful book of prayer. It gives you the totality of prayer. Uh, it even tells you, gives you examples of where, where the psalmist is praying in frustration. But listen to what he says in Psalms 91 verse 15. He says, he shall call upon me, this is God speaking, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. May that be your testimony in 2021, that you will call upon him. He will answer you. Even when trouble comes, he will be with you that he will deliver you from every type of trouble, challenge, difficulty that is lined up in 2021. And at the end of it, he will honor you. And then finally, of course, we have what we call the golden rule of prayer. There's no... This, if, there were, if there was a way to try to explain this script, scripture away, I would end the sermon now. But then... I can't end it because this scripture is dear to my heart. What does the Bible say? Matthew 7, verse 7. Frankly, I'll read verses 7 to 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to to him who knocks, it will be opened. Oh God, please stay with me. Everyone, everyone who asks. Now, of course, we understand that this is in the continuous tense. So it is actually ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. For everyone who asks, everyone who, who, who's, who's, who continues to ask, everyone who asks will eventually receive. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will, be opened, it, will be, it will be opened. And then in the way that Jesus always uses such graphic uh, terminology to paint a picture that you can't forget. He says, or oh, what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? We get that. Or oh, if his son asks for a fish will give him a serpent? None of us will do that. As flawed as we are, as, as dysfunctional as we might be, as challenged as we might be with the flesh. None of us is going to give our son, our, our child, a serpent. Or a child comes hungry, we give the child a stone. So he does something that paints such a graphic picture. He puts us with all the good that we do to our natural children on one side, and then he, he 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 then points to us that with all the good that we do, we are still flawed. I am flawed. You are flawed. But I want to do the best for 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 our children. Shallah and I want to do the best for our children. Now you do the same for your children. You want to you want to carry their burdens. You want to you want, if you could sit the exams for them, you would. When they're sick. Somehow you're feeling, the, the, you're, you're feeling their pain. When they are going through challenges, you're feeling their pain. You know, uh, if they have a challenge, they're at the age where they are dating and they have a challenge. You, their, heart, their heart is challenged because of a relationship. You, you feel like yours is challenged. You want to do everything for them. And yet we are flawed. We are human. Now, how much more, Jesus goes on to say, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The Passion Translation verses 7 and 8 says this, and I want to read this for for some sort of emphasis. Ask and the gift is yours. Seek and you'll discover. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For every persistent one will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he longs for. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. Now, what's the key? It's the persistence. So yes, we've prayed for 21 days, but we don't give up. No, we press on. We keep asking, keep seeking and keep knocking. It's not an indication that we don't have faith. No, we have faith. That's why we are coming. We know God will answer. People say to me, but you're praying about the same thing over and over again. I say, yes, I'm coming with expectation. You should see our 10-year-old. He knows how to get things from us. He's trying to get a dog from us. Do you know that if Sholan and I don't stand with our loins, gird our loins, we will not just buy one dog, we will buy so many dogs. He wakes up in the morning, dog. He, he, he gets her at night, dog. He, he c- comes to meet me because he, he, he thinks that, he said to her that if daddy agrees, since he's the head of the home, can I have the dog? She said yes. Off he comes to me thinking, doesn't know that we work as a team. And he wants to get me to agree to this dog. Now, of course, the challenge with the dog is that If we get a dog, we are going to look after it. We've told him, we've told him that once he gets old enough, he can have his dog and he can look after the dog himself. But what I'm trying to say is that he's persistent. He's persistent. He's persistent. Now, he doesn't come in persistence and think that I'm wasting my time. No, he knows that if I press and press and press, I'm coming with expectation, I I will get what I want. That's how we come to the father, by faith. We trust him. We know, especially if we can find it in his word as his promise for us, then we come with faith. We are persistent. My sister, be persistent, don't give up. I look back and see the things that we prayed for and see how God answered them, not at the time that I thought he would, maybe a few months, maybe a few years later, but believe me, God answered them. God answers prayers. Ian Bounds says this about God's answering prayers. He says to answer prayer is God's universal rule. It is his universal rule. It is his unchangeable and irreplaceable law to answer prayer. It cannot be changed. It's his unchangeable and irreplaceable law. He says it's his invariable, specific, and inviolate promise to answer prayer. He says this. The few denials to prayer in scripture are exceptions to the general rule, suggestive and startling by their fewness, exception, and emphasis. Oh, man, I love that. What is he saying? He's saying that when you see how few prayers, when you see the few times that people's prayers were denied in the Bible, the very few times. He says it tells you by the fewness of these prayers that the general rule is that prayers, all the prayers will be answered. And even the ones that we say were not answered were really answered in that God said no. And sometimes God will say no. That's an answer. And we, we, we understand enough of that to submit to God knowing that what he says in an answer is is the best for us. And so you and I are blessed. I call it the blessedness of, ans- of living a life of answered prayers. We come to him with a petition. He answers it, of course, in accordance with his will. Of course, in accordance with his word, his revealed word. And we'll get a chance next week to talk a bit about that. About how the Word of God influences prayer. How the Word of God is the fuel for prayer. How people who pray prayers that that move mountains, change circumstances, change families, change communities are people who are steeped in the Word of God. I love this quote. The Word of God is a great help in prayer if it is lodged and written in our hearts, it will form an overflowing current of prayer. Just put the word of God in your, in your heart, you will become someone who prays. He says it will form an overflowing current of prayer, full and irresistible. Promises stored in the heart are to be the fuel from which prayer receives its life and its warmth. Be a person who is in the word of God. You will be a person who prays and prays and sees results. And you know, one of the things I love about prayer as I come to an end is that when you pray, you come to God with one thing on your mind, the petition you're bringing to God, and we know that God answers. But guess what you get that you didn't plan for? That wasn't at the forefront of your mind but that is really a lot more valuable than that petition you bring. You get God. Because as you pray petitioning for something, you come closer to God. He reveals more of himself to you. Your relationship deepens with him. By the time the answer comes, you're not the same person that started the journey to petition God for that answer. Isn't that what grace is about? That we come with one thing, that we think is the main thing, the focus, but that at the end of it, we get the prayers answered, but then we also get more of God, a deeper relationship with God, hallelujah, amen. Now, talking about prayer, I was having a laugh with someone. I said, you know, in heaven, God must really sometimes just shake his head and wonder about this human beings he has created. At the start of 2020, um, round about March, we went into a, a, a season of prayer. I'm sure you all remember it. We're praying every day, hours a day. And one of the prayer points, in fact, if I, I remember the prayer points, I think it was number seven of the prayer points. One was number seven. I think one was number 10 or 12. I can't remember the, the, the prayer points. Because we ran, we ran two months Two, two months or more of praying. We prayed as a church and then we moved to praying as leaders. We prayed every single day for two or three months. Every single day, we were pouring out our hearts in prayer. That was at the height of the first wave of the pandemic. There was a lot of fear. And believe me, if we hadn't prayed, fear would have taken us over. One of the things we cried out for, we prayed and prayed. We said, Lord, give the scientific community creativity. Give them your mind. Let them find a vaccine, oh God. Father, do something miraculous so that in record time they can find a vaccine. I remember leading some of those prayers. I remember joining the leaders. I remember praying with a with, with lot of the congregation. For two or three months, we were crying out. Guess what? They found a vaccine in record time. God answered our prayers. Guess what people now say? There's a problem with the vaccine. God answered it too quickly. In fact, we don't even want the vaccine. God is sitting in heaven saying, what on? What do you want? You prayed, you called to me, I answered. I, I think we're going to, I got them to put the prayer points on, on the screen. I hope we can get it up on the screen. You called to me. This prayer point, you prayed it not once a day, not twice a day. We cried out, "As, all our leaders led. God, let them discover a vaccine. God says, I've heard you. Call on to me. I will answer. I will show you great and mighty things. Great and mighty things through AstraZeneca or Pfizer is great and mighty things. Now we say, no, we don't want it, God. Don't show us great and mighty things. Don't answer too quickly. Go and take the normal amount of time, five years or 10 years. And I'm saying, you know, let's make up our minds what we want. We're a bit, the church is a bit like those who were praying when the apostle was taken to jail. And as they prayed and prayed and prayed, they heard a knock on the door. Rhoda went to the door. You know the story. And there was Peter who they were crying out for, traveling, praying, God, release Peter, release Peter, send your angels, release Peter, send your angels, release Peter, oh God, release Peter, God, send angels. God said, I've heard, angel, go and release Peter. Peter comes and Rhoda opens the door and it's Peter. She rushes back to them. God has answered, God has answered. He has answered, he has sent angels. Peter is at the door. They say, Rhoda, are you okay? Have you lost your mind? Please, we are praying. We're interceding for God to move. God had answered. Maybe it's the same with this vaccine. God has answered. We prayed. I believed God would answer. I, I wasn't wasting my time. Petitioning God like that? No, I wasn't wasting my time. Like I'm not wasting my time for revival. I believe God will answer. I'm expectant. So God has answered. He has brought it. Now we say, God, no, you answered too quickly too quickly. God must be sitting in heaven saying, just decide what you want. My brother and my sister, we don't pray as an exercise in religion. No. We don't pray because we want to tick a box. We don't pray with no expectation. No. We come there believing That our prayers can move mountains. Our prayers can change circumstances. Our prayers can change nations. Our prayers can remove kings and put kings in place. We understand that power, real power, is when we are on our knees, submitted to God, bringing his promises to him, and the God to whom all power belongs can move. We understand that. We understand that we are God's legislative assembly that when we decree a thing backed by the Spirit, it comes to pass. We understand that. We understand that we make rules. We understand that we make laws by the Spirit of God. We understand that the power we have is that as children of God who He loves, when we call unto Him, He promises He will answer and show us great and mighty things. We don't come there just to go through the motions, no. We come to pray and we expect results. We come there already believing that there will be results. We come and speak to mountains and the Spirit of God gives us the faith to believe that the mountains will move. We come to pray and to see the results. The effectual, fervent prayer of you and me must have results. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, let a garment of prayer, a spirit of prayer rest upon all of us, all those who are listening. Oh God, help us, oh God, to have the spirit that was on the patriarch where he wrestled with you and refused to let you go. Help us, oh God, to have that spirit of intercession that was on Moses, oh God, where... He stood his ground in prayer, audacious praying as he prayed, O God, for the nation of Israel. Help us, O God, to have the spirit of intercession that was on Abraham, heavenly father, as he went back and forth with you about the the destiny of Sodom and Gomorrah. Help us to pray like Daniel prayed, O God, not giving up until the answer came. Help us, O God, to pray, O God, like Elijah, Heavenly Father, O oh God. Help us, O oh God, to stand on our own Mount Camel, Heavenly Father, with faith, O oh God, knowing that the God who answers by fire will answer us. Let us have the faith in prayer to know, O oh God, that you will answer our prayer exactly as Elijah had, oh God. Help us, Heavenly Father, to have the, the faith, oh God, of, of Elisha, oh God, to pray like he did, oh God, to, to see to the spirit realm and encourage ourselves, O oh God, by what we see. Help us to know, God, that those who are for us, O oh God, are more than those who are against us. Help us, O oh God, heavenly Father, to pray, O oh God, like the apostles, to pray like Paul, heavenly Father, to pray like Peter, to pray like the apostle John. Help us, heavenly Father. Help us, O oh God, Father, to pray like the saints of old. O oh God, to pray like John Wesley and his brother. Help us heavenly father let this let us let a spirit of prayer come upon us in this season and this time we need it desperately oh god help us to pray like Charles Feeney heavenly father oh god of mercy help us to pray heavenly father so that we can bring to pass your plans and your purposes in Jesus name amen and amen father we thank you and Lord, we bless you. Lord, I, I, I come against the spirit of prayerlessness in the lives of any one of your children who is listening. I understand, Father, that it is, a, it is a spirit because, of course, prayerlessness is a sin. And the spirit wants to get us to that place where we sin. I come against that spirit of prayerlessness in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If you... If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, then you're not, you can't enter this communion that I have spent some time talking about, this intimate conversation. Uh, what qualifies us for it is that we are His children. Uh, and as long as you don't accept Him as your Father, then, then you have rejected His overtures to you uh, to come to Him and enter a relationship with Him. Thankfully, Jesus Christ has paved the way for you and all you have to do is accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're ushered into this loving relationship with God as your Father. If you want to do so and start this journey, well, why don't you just say this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, today I receive your Son, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I turn away from anything sinful that I might have been doing as I give myself to obey you in every commandment that you ask me to. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for receiving me into your family. By this prayer, I declare by faith that I am now a member of your family. I am now born again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Have a fantastic week.